Hello, and welcome to Spindrift Edition 10, the column where I cast around for stories, gossip or entertainment that may have escaped your attention, and putting my own interpretation on it. My name is Ken Matthews. Recently, Spindrift has been asked to attend various meetings about the use of the latest audio technology with particular accent on its possible impact on the visually impaired. Of course, I'm generally invited because of my production of the Glenrothes edition of the Midfife News Tape, the Focus Audio Magazine, and my website, A Sight for Sore Eyes. Generally, there are other production volunteers from other news tapes, people who have devoted tens of years to their visually impaired friends, and who have intimate knowledge of their high-tech equipment, digital as well as cassette tape. However, because we are volunteers and unpaid, we seem to rank lower than other people who are gathered around the various tables who are working and being paid a handsome wage for their efforts. Introductions by the chairperson generally waxing lyrical about these persons, informing us grandly that these people are the professionals, inferring that we are not. Now, I have been in the information and entertainment industry, and, I hate to admit it, for the best part of half a century, although I was very young, truly, when I started. My point being that I had a dual role, front of stage and backstage, ensuring that everything worked. As the years progressed and the technology improved and changed, I moved on with it, always being in the forefront as I have an insatiable appetite for knowledge, at least in this particular field. Everything I do now with audio is digitised at some point along its path, and then, because we use cassette tape as well as digital formats, I convert the audio back to the analogue format, cassette tape. The fact of the matter is that Midfife Newstype was one of the very first, and I actually believe that we were the first on the entire internet to publish streaming audio news files that could be listened to by anybody, not just the visually impaired, and all for free. The difference between the person who is being described as professional and myself is that he gets paid and I and my colleagues do not. In my case, it actually costs me money. They also get accorded more respect by other non-technical members around the table because of this description by the chairperson, when their work may involve nothing more than looking after computer workstations and word processing software. I would calculate that more than 95% of all information technology professionals fall into this category. To them, audio software may as well come from an alien planet. I am not looking for anything other than parity with these so-called professionals. Recognition that our voices should carry equal authority around the table. In truth, we've done that, been there, bought the t-shirt and actually do the business, both digitally and in analogue every week.
The media is currently undergoing its annual breast beating for equality for women in sport. Women receiving less prize money than men at the Wimbledon tennis tournament, for instance, being the current focus of attention. Of course, the men do play more sets. Women do have a level playing field in some sports. Show jumping and three-day eventing spring immediately to mind. Men and women competing for the same prize and prize money, with the women frequently beating the men hands down. This breast-beating in sport generally comes about when it is a slow news day, with little actual news for tabloids to report. So, news has to be created. This particular subject always arises because the editors are looking for something to stir the emotions of its readers, and nothing is designed to cause heaving breasts more than women being discriminated against. So where does Spindrift stand on this emotive issue? Is he a male chauvinist pig? Incidentally, you don't have to be a male in order to be chauvinistic. Truly, anybody can be bigoted, and the very term male chauvinist is a term used by bigots and has been coined to infer that only men can be dubbed with the word chauvinist. Unfortunately, many people actually believing that to be the case. So, I'll stop beating about the bush and tell you exactly where I stand. I'm with the women. I stand foursquare alongside them in their efforts to gain true equality in all things. I think women should have equality at Wimbledon. To that end, there should be only one championship there. Wimbledon should be a true open championship, open to both male and female, with the spoils going to the person that is the best. The separate women's championship should be abandoned, as it discriminates against men. Equally, golf is another sport where the open is not a true championship, because it is for men only. So, all golfing competitions should be open to both sexes, with single-sex competitions being abandoned. When that happens in all sports, then we can honestly say that all are equal. On the same subject, females should immediately picket all establishments that discriminate against men. Nightclubs spring instantly to mind. Places where females can march to the head of the queue, the queue being only for men, then enter the establishment without paying and perhaps get a free drink into the bargain. The male would-be nightclubbers are then chosen to enter the nightclub only if they're dressed to a code, which doesn't apply to the women, and are admitted only if the men fit a criteria which is peculiar to the club they are trying to enter. And again, this criteria does not apply to the women. The poor discriminated against males are then charged £30 or more to enter and have to pay full extortionate prices at the bar all night, with no discounts that may be valid for the female gender being available to them. Spindrift can already hear the stampede as women charge to these nightclubs to demand that men receive all the privileges that
that they currently enjoy themselves, with other legions of females rushing to demand that all championship events of whatever sport are competed for equally with men and women competing for the same prize, with all single-gender events being outlawed. Does Spindrift really imagine that all that will come to pass? Possibly. About the same time that hell freezes over, more's the pity. When the white man imposed apartheid on South Africa, they more or less declared that a person who was black was a second-class citizen. Well, perhaps that statement is not really strong enough. What they were really declaring was, a black person was a non-person. What has happened in that country, since the apartheid system was dismantled, reflects well on the black majority, and in particular on that colossus who engineered it, Nelson Mandela. When apartheid was in existence, there was constant screaming and shouting in this country, not to mention riots, by activists against the white government in South Africa, with rhetoric and venom directed at the British government. The activists were demanding that all ties should be cut with the white minority of South Africa. They insisted that the country should be isolated until black people were granted equal rights with white people. That stance was applauded by Spendrift as right and proper. The British government fell into line, and pressure was put on the South African government to drop apartheid. Even sporting ties were severed, although there was the rebel cricket tour of the country, for which the participants suffered censure and punishment when they returned. As history shows, the tactics of isolating South Africa eventually paid off, and the black person was accorded equal rights. Not unnaturally, all the activists who had protested at the apartheid regime saw this as a victory for themselves, and have clapped themselves on the back ever since. So, why is Spindrift revisiting historical events? Anybody who has listened to this column before will be aware that there is always a reason for me talking about events, past or present, and will be waiting for the however sentence to make an appearance, along with the reason for the history. Spindrift would hate to disappoint his loyal listeners, so here it is. However, there has been a resounding, deafening silence from these same activists when the same thing, only in reverse, is taking place on the same continent. I refer, of course, to Zimbabwe, the country that has made an art form of the fiery necklace. Just in case anybody may not be aware of the fiery necklace concept, this was to persuade the white man to leave the country. Not only was the white man a non-person, they were frequently awarded the Order of the Fiery Necklace. A car tire filled with petrol would be lovingly hung around the poor unfortunate white person or black person who fell out with the government of Zimbabwe's neck and then lit. Of course, that was seriously detrimental to the health 
but the government authorities there saw it as something of a national pastime, something that should be encouraged a sport for the masses. Where now are the activists to scream and shout for the white minority? Where are the cries for the cessation of sporting links, or all links, to this racist country? Why won't the British government take a stance the same as they did with South Africa, and for far stronger reasons? Why does Britain sit around the same table with this evil regime? Spindrift has to admit that he can't understand why the government cannot even take the simple step of telling the English cricketers that they should not tour that country. If the British government took that step, which is an honest and principled action, I believe the vast majority would applaud the decision. If subsequently the International Cricket Congress made a decision to encourage the Zimbabwe racism by banning the English cricketers from international competition because of the decision not to tour, then the English cricketers and the cricketing authorities should wear that ban as a badge of courage and principle against a racist authority. Oh, and the government of Zimbabwe as well. Accordingly, Spindrift awards Des Wilson, who has resigned from the management board of the England and Wales Cricket Board, after failing to persuade them to take a stronger stance about the proposed tour to Zimbabwe later this year. Spindrift awards you the Spindrift Medal of Honour. You, sir, had the courage of your convictions, and I salute you. For a lot of years now, Spindrift has considered ways of trying to bring together the most powerful group of people in this country, although that statement could apply equally to any other nation. I've considered writing a novel or screenplay depicting the rise and the rise of this sector of the population, a sector who do not seem to realise the sort of power they are capable of wielding over their own destiny a sector that has in the recent past given a slight indication of this power, yet never recognised the enormity of their actions, although it did not go unnoticed by the great and the good that run this country. Who are these most powerful of people? Are they people we should be afraid of? Would we be able to recognise a person from this sector if he or she walked past us? If you wish to see one of these most powerful of people who are capable of making the establishment more than a little apprehensive, then you only have to look in a mirror, because you are one of that elite group with the potential to exercise that sort of power. How often do we see on television programs like Watchdog, which claim to champion the people against unjust practices from companies or government? People who have turned to that particular program because there is no one else to turn to. No one else will listen to their lone voice, shouting and screaming in a vacuum about the injustice of it all. Programs, like Watchdog, do generally manage to right the wrong that has been done to their viewer. But 
generally speaking, it has no lasting effect on the company that has been named and shamed. In truth, the program only exists as a piece of entertainment to fill whatever time slot has been allotted to it, and any benefits for the consumer are only marginal. Certainly, the program is of little concern to commerce or government. Yet, consider when the petrol prices were escalating totally out of control, with the Chancellor taxing us all out of existence, and there was a popular revolt by car owners who picketed petrol depots, stopping tankers from leaving. Now, that caused real panic and concern in government circles, with them immediately putting legislation in place to stop that sort of behaviour by the nasty, motoring consumer ever happening again. And that, in a nutshell, is what Spindrift is talking about. Consumer power. And no, I'm not talking about the totally ineffective Consumer Council. I'm talking about real power. People power, if you like. As a small indication of what I'm talking about, the Sun newspaper, which I was buying, as it was cheaper than any other paper at that time, offended me by publishing a picture on its front page that I, and a lot of other people, objected to. Its editorial staff realised in very short order that they had offended its readers, and withdrew the picture from its next edition. However, Spindrift was so offended that I have never bought that publication again. I'd far rather pay more for another newspaper than risk being offended again by the editorial policies in the future. That's on a small scale. Yet, imagine if all of the other readers had felt as strongly as I did and withdrew their support from that newspaper. The Sun would have gone out of business. No readers equals no newspaper. Apply that same logic to the petrol prices rising all the time. It is not necessary to incur the government's wrath and its new powers by picketing oil depots to express your displeasure at the constant rising of petrol prices. All that is required is for everybody not to buy petrol, say, for a period of a week. That would certainly get their attention, and we might then see parity in taxation with other countries. The same concept applies to companies that have cheated the consumer. If nobody buys their product, then they'll go out of business. I don't suppose it will ever happen. But imagine if it did. Then you'd see power. Real power. People power. Well, that's it for the 10th edition of Spindrift. So I'll take my leave of you and return to my eerie atop the fourth road bridge, where I'll keep my eyes and ears primed for more news and gossip. And I will be back. Till the next time. This is Kenneth J. Matthews. Bye.